0: And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable Cars & Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Guess you wonder where I've been, baby. I said That's a Bobby Caldwell. Within. A little yacht rock. I came back to let you know. Listen to that. Doesn't that put you in the mood for summertime? Got a thing for you playing the music, but we just don't have the weather here in Brentwood. It's uh, cold and cloudy every day. It has been. What is wrong with me. But they call it I'm in May Grey. But it is uh, It's cloudy as shit It (laughs) sucks Johnny Lieberman's here We're in the backyard You can hear this You know Tupac covered this song Bobby Caldwell Who uh, I think played With Little Richard That's where he got his start He was rhythm guitarist For Little Richard And then uh, Quit the band And went solo Hung out for six years in LA Until he started making this music and then Tupac did this. Listen to this one. Oh, baby. This is the two do for love. I kind of like this version better. <laughs> Tupac was pretty good. <laughs>
1: Turns out. <laughs> I was trying to explain uh, Tupac yeah. and Biggie Smalls to, to Richard yesterday. Like Little Richard? Me and my son, Big Richard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's and he, so good. Because his thing is like...
0: So, are they alive? And I'm like, they're not alive. (laughs) Why even bother to explain that to him? No, I didn't. Welcome to Spikes Car Radio. I'm going to turn the music off. We've got a terrific show for you today. Johnny Lieberman and I are in the backyard here. uh, In a minute, or maybe in a little bit, you're going to hear from uh, Joshua Shapiro, who's the founder and CEO of the brand J.N. Shapiro Watches. Um, Why is he on the show? Well, guess what? He's brought back United States USA manufacturing to watches, which has been dead since the '60s. And he lives right here in LA. He's all over the news right now. LA Times, Hodinky, so and he's on the show today. And he's a great guy. He's got an amazing story. Um, I'll tell you a little more about that. Zuckerman is uh, Johnny. You don't know this, but Zuckerman is visiting his mom. <laughs> my maggot son (laughs) look who came to see me you
1: piece of garbage
0: (laughs) hey mom (laughs) what are you doing shut up (gasps) broad i it's broads i hope he stays in the nursing home where he but i don't think he is he said he's got he's been texting me he's got lots of stories about the memory people I guess there's still a war between the memory people and the other residents at this New Jersey uh, place. He'll be back. He sends his love. He goes, hey, should I call in from that place? Yeah. Spike. And I said, <laughs> there's no. There's feces everywhere. I don't want you to call in from that place. Why don't you visit with your mom? Yeah, my mom's feces. <laughs>
2: Oh,
1: you're making a phone call, you piece of garbage. You're supposed to be visiting with Why are you calling that maggot Spike?
0: He's a maggot. A three-fingered maggot. A sausage-fingered motherfucker. Ma, give me the money. (laughs) Oh, man. I can only imagine what that's like. I wonder, and I never met the dad. I've never met the mom either. I've never met any of Zuckerman's a uh, uh, family that goes in that direction but i can only imagine i think it would make a nice uh, cartoon for netflix we could do an animated oh, show young zuckerman <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> young zuckerman is a great idea let's write it oh there's a writer strike oh Sorry. Yeah. can't even talk about it anyway there's a uh, lots to talk about here um that is around that um so much going on as a matter of fact and uh I don't know where to begin let's start with this story i don't know if you know about this but michael jordan dropped 3.5 million dollars on a hennessy venom f5 roadster yes he did and that made news for our friend uh john hennessy it's john hennessy john hennessy uh out of uh texas houston texas baby and uh I think there's there's been some conjecture that will he fit in this car? This is now is this this is the fastest production car? What 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 is this exactly? They haven't
1: tested the top speed yet, but it makes a I forget sixteen, seventeen hundred horsepower from a
0: big eighteen hundred seventeen horsepower. Thank you. Eighteen hundred seventeen horsepower. Six point six liter twin turbocharged V eight. Yeah. Good God. And Penzoil helped develop it.
1: Anyhow, it um, weighs 3,100 It weighs nothing. Yeah, God. it's it's crazy. I, I believe he's claiming it will do, I want to say, like 320 miles an hour. Capable of 300. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Easily do 300, but he's, he's, he thinks it'll be the fastest production car, period, end of story. Right now, the official, unofficial, I believe, is Bugatti with the 300 plus, the Super Supersport 300 plus went 304 miles an hour in one direction. To get an official record, you got to go two, but they just went one direction. That's pretty fast. Andy Wallace, who was actually Justin Bell's teammate uh, at Le Mans all those years ago, was driving the Chiron Supersport 300+. And um, I don't know. I did see that picture of John and Michael Jordan. No, I'm
0: looking at it right now. So you got Michael Jordan in a, uh, look, there's a couple of mistakes here. Who am I to tell Michael Jordan how to dress? But he's got a tucked in T-shirt and a belt and some camo pants.
1: Spike, he's got several billions of dollars.
0: <laughs> I, well, still. And then may, and then look, I'm not the most fashionable guy, but I, I know how not to tuck in a, tur- uh, a T-shirt into some camo pants and put on a black belt
1: is there in my shorts you know people in this wealth bracket though if you once you get into the billion range does anything matter <laughs> like aren't you just defining the world yeah as you go through it? did you
0: see the movie air did you watch air no, with no. matt damon it's uh fantastic it'll tell you the whole story of and and you know you immediately want to know how much money he's making and then we called up a friend of ours that we know from nike who works in air jordan and, and we said uh every year so what is that and he threw out a number we went oh my god <laughs> like if, this year and if you're saying that <laughs> he goes oh yeah it's much more than sneakers now okay so yeah three million three and a half million on a car is nothing to this guy but it should teach you how to untuck your t-shirt i mean here you look at that oh, you no, no, tell no, no. me no. Well- you you look at that and you tell me that's all right
1: I've seen worse. At least it's, I thought it was a white t shirt. At least it's a black t shirt. Um, but here's the thing. When I'm walking
0: around, <laughs> well, look the house, at, at John Hennessy. he's got his polo tucked in and he's got his belt on. Well, he's from Texas. They, they and he's on. got a see, a man of his age. He's got a he's got a collared shirt. He knows what to, he knows uh what to do. But aren't and they I, in Jordan's front yard there? Uh maybe. I don't yeah. know. No, it looks like that's Hennessy's operation. There. Oh, okay. I, I will say Jordan's, And he's got some cool Jordans on.
1: John's about 5 8 maybe 5 foot 8
0: Oh he's got to be a little taller. He's up he's, he's wearing up boots. to he's up to Jordan's <laughs> chin in well, this shot. He's wearing boots. Yeah, Jordan's 6
1: 6. So uh 6 6 I bet he'll fit. I bet they I think they build cars now for like the what they call the 98th percentile. Yeah. So 6 7. Wow. I think so I think he'll I think he'll fit. A lot of carbon but fiber you know on this the, car. But you know the the roof comes off, so what's the difference? He can just take the roof off and he can be as tall as he likes. There you go. He can let He'll take the uh, Fabio seagull into the face, <laughs> or was it an so, owl? I uh, forgot. It was a seagull. Uh, <laughs> no, he could let uh, Scotty Pippen drive it. Who ran into me uh, a few months ago uh, physically? And I, like I was like, "Ow!" Like a brick wall just hit me. Oh, it's Scottie
0: Pippen. Who's we used to laugh big, about Pippen mobiles? That he was he was taking cars and turning them into things that no one would ever want after. The Pippin, the Pippin principle is one we still practice to this day. You have to be careful when you hot rod a car that you're not uh, Scotty Pippin'ing it. Interesting. You want, unless you don't care about the resale value, you've got to do something that's a little less bespoke. Well, there's a lot of guys and that pippin. do the, the the Pippin.
1: I'm going to steal your phrase. There's a lot of guys that do that.
0: That pip, <laughs> the Pippin, Pippin my, ride. Pippin my ride. Yeah, there you go. So,
1: but yeah, hey, good for John. Good for Mister Jordan. Yeah, you know.
0: And where where are you doing? You're you're coming from where? Right I'm coming
1: now? from Motor Trend. Uh, we recorded a podcast today, The inevitable, and so the South Pasadena. So Post you Department come from
0: Podcast One, our old home. For, we're our first uh, podcast with you two. Fantastic. Um, so the, they still have that little. Uh, tiny studio there that you smaller than in, breathing somebody else's trajectory uh, factory? Yeah. yeah. No, that's <laughs> done, it seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice little studio. It's a nice spot.
1: It's good. They do a good job. But uh, South Pasadena Police Department is getting rid of all of their internally combusted cars and getting a fleet of Teslas. Um, Teslas. Tes, tes, I think it's tesla. tesla, but anyhow. Yeah, sure. Um, they're getting 10 Detective
0: Model 3s and 10 Officer patrolman model wise. Wow. Yeah. And what do they have to do the, to those things? Do they have to put in a little divider in the middle of it? Yes. Yeah, so shotgun for, holder? And... So for the...
1: Yes, so good good questions. This is what we... Well, it's we, what I we, do for a ask. living, Joni. Yeah. No, it's good. Oh, thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, for the detective
1: cars, mostly lighting. They do a lot of lighting and then like the hidden sirens, you know, how right. an undercover car can suddenly turn on its lights. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And there's no grill, so they got to like hide it in the headlights or something. Right. They wouldn't get into the details for some reason. I think they're waiting for the big reveal. Um, for the... Patrol cars—you got to put that laptop that takes up the passenger seat. Right. You got to put in a gun rack with a shotgun and an AR-15 style rifle. Uh huh. You got to put in Lexan and a cage for the perp, and you got to take out the rear seat so that they're just sitting on hard puke-proof plastic. Mm -hmm. And then you got to do—they said it's not adding that much weight. It actually—they is wouldn't give us a number. But why did they make
0: this decision?
1: A couple reasons. One is South Pasadena signed a thing in 2005 that they're going to try and, like, you know, cut their uh, emissions and, and green up the place. Right. And then they just kept stressing dollars and cents. They just said it's so much cheaper to run an EV. Yeah. And I will, you, know, you can listen to The Inevitable and hear all the details. But basically, I'll give one out. Uh, if you idle a cop car all day... Which they do. They never turn them off because they got to run the electronics all day. You use half a tank of gas, 12-hour shift. Even if you're not driving anywhere, you're just sitting there like on a a movie set. Right. You use half the fuel, uh, so like 12 gallons, something like that. And he did the same thing with his personal Model Y, this guy, this sergeant, and he used 13% of the battery. Wow. So just that. And then it's just the cost per mile is way less. Yeah. And, and, and you know, how
0: do they, are they going to have superchargers at the station so they can charge them quickly? They're um, gonna
1: have a couple level threes, but they have enough they're getting enough cars that they'll be able to put in on level twos so that when a guy shows up for his shift or a girl shows up for her shift, they'll be ready to go. Ah. They have a strategy. They had a whole logistics thing in place.
0: But it was a fascinating conversation. Will it, will it have some of that uh, Cybertruck bulletproof glass that works so well? It's interesting you say that. There is some Cybertruck. So the, the people building it. <laughs> you know, it, I was making a joke, right? Well. It famously cracked. Well. That was a joke.
1: So the people building it, Unplugged Performance, yep. um, they are getting their Cybertruck stuff ready. And they're doing a ballistic package for the Cybertruck. And they're like, hey, like. Since we already know about
0: bulletproofing, we can bulletproof up the cop cars a little bit. And is that the old fashioned add a ton of weight bulletproofing? Yes. It is. Yeah. Well, it's going to affect how it drives. Yeah,
1: but, you know, it's a small town. And, you know, but I don't think all of them are going to be bulletproofed. I think just some of them. But yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. And it it was cool to hear what they're doing and and how this is, you know, it's a small, 27,000 people live in South Pasadena. So it's a huge thing. But they're going to save all this money, and then if, if a big department decides to do it, and they very well might, then they'll have the know-how. And- all you have to say is save
0: money. That's what they kept all stressing. All you have to say is it's save it's, money. It's a lot of money, apparently. I know. It's you know, People seemed, you know, someone was asking me, uh, who was visiting from the East Coast the other day, are you really saving money with that Tesla? And I said, all right, here's what it costs to fill up my Defender right now, $118.00. Here's what it costs to charge Erica's Tesla, $17, <laughs> sometimes 14 So Now, do you see what's happening? Do you see that? Are yeah. you looking at that? And, uh, it, you know, he was reading a bunch of uh, goofball stuff from right-wing blogs. That, but, but that that's the truth. I mean, the truth really is it saves you a heck of a lot of money if you can make it work in your family.
1: And so, like, you know, I drove here, and we'll talk about it later, but that Raptor R. Yeah which I think I saw 9.4 miles per gallon, you know? Um, yeah. And, like, it's, you know. I, I know,
0: but the second you pulled in, I went, oh. Oh, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds,
1: I mean, hey, supercharged
0: V See, because we're in full off-road mode now. Okay. We're in full off-road mode oh, in this house. You need we've a got, Rivian. We've got Cake Bikes. Uh, the, uh, this, this fella, Eric, and one of our fans, uh, Jesse, who I think lives in Sweden. Uh, sure. Bothered Cake. <laughs> About getting Spike some bikes, I—I I, they'd been on my radar since I'd heard from a friend. Uh, these amazing electric motorcycles and work bikes and street bikes, and I like how they're they just look. designed differently. Yeah, I just took uh, Johnny into the garage. Uh, apparently, this fan, Jesse Wilhelm, I think is his name, just bothered them until this guy said, "Look, I—I I don't know who you are." <laughs> His fetish noise, I don't know, but uh, Jesse says I must give you bikes. Nice. So I'm giving you bikes. And he said we're, we're giving bikes, and not giving to keep, but uh, you know, use them, talk about them. Uh, we're giving them to these actors, this surfer, uh, and you. And I go, well, I don't even fit on that list of folks, but cool. And we have uh, something called the Cock, K-A-L-K. You can hear Zuckerman's mom. In <sighs>
1: Did you say the cock. <laughs> oh, I want to ride that cock. Car. I need the cock.
0: K A L K. You which, have Spike, give me the cock. These are off-road motorcycles with knobbies and they're big and they don't even have kickstands like legit. They have the stand. You have to lift the thing onto the stand. We have two of those and this work bike called an Osa, which is a uh, a belt-driven industrial-looking work bike. You That's know, the one ch- I like.
1: That's cool looking.
0: I didn't even want to get on it. And then I got on it. I don't want to get off it. It's got these amazing side rails. And it's because it's belt driven. You know, if you don't ride these electric bikes, there are two kinds there's belt, chain, and and there's chain. And then there's motors sometimes and wheels. When you get a chain bike, like on the Suron or on the Cake or any of these off road motorcycles, they're fantastic. They grip in the dirt, but they are loud when you are on the street. And so you put it, if you're on the street, you want a belt driven bike or something with motors in the wheels and the hubs, um, which is much quieter. But they both have their advantages and disadvantages. But we took, we have two of these bikes. James has the little Suron, and uh, we took that bike and we took the cock up yesterday. The sun the cock. came out for a minute. The cock. Yeah. And we blasted uh, thrash through our neighborhood, hoping no one would notice. I had my McQueen motocross helmet on. Very kind of illegal looking, but we went at very slow speeds and stayed on the side of the road and obeyed the laws of society, at least. And uh, then went up into the canyon on the Whoopty Trail and uh, had a spectacular hour of it was five or six square miles of empty dirt roads. So here great. in Brentwood. that's so great and it was sunset and it was like one of those things like a uh, pinch me i'm losing it i'm losing my mind so we want to take these all these up to uh to gorman which i think we're going to do on monday which is this past monday so don't try to go up there and meet me <laughs> we're going to rent the fantastic u-haul motorcycle trailer i don't know if you know about i the don't U-Haul. know nothing oh about my this. god We had been talking about, do we just buy a pickup truck? Do we steal Johnny's Rivian and do kind of electric everything in the back of Rivian? And then I came, I was like, what about U-Haul? What do they have? For 20 bucks, they have the greatest motorcycle trailer. It's good? In the, it's fantastic. It's actually Jalopnik wrote about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I went, God, that looks too good to be true. And it's like, nope, it's right down the street. It's $20. It's low to the ground. You hook it right up to the Defender, and it's got a little flap on the back, and you just wheel up your bikes. You tie them down with tie straps, and boom, you're off and running. And they said, uh, Jalopnik, and then I, and I'm googling more to learn on YouTube and the rest of it, this Jalopnik story. Goes U-Haul is a fantastic motorcycle trail, wow. and it turns out it really is. I had no idea. Fantastic! Why would U-Haul have anything that anybody wants? But they have this fantastic <laughs> motorcycle trail, so good in fact that people right. are trying to buy them. They're trying to get them and get them from, and and no one can. Anyway, yeah. Have pickup you, trucks and bikes are t- like top of mind right now as we head into summer. got to get you on a Rivian, man? Well, I. Well, I've been in one. No, no, no. i got to get you to buy one. If you like off-roading. They're just the best off Well, I was going to talk to you off-air about maybe getting it for this, because I think it would be cool to throw the cake bikes in the back of something electric and then do some, uh, you know, we take some talk. pictures, we'll take talk. some bids, and, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm enthusiastic about these cake bikes. Um, I'm a fan of Sondors. I'm a fan of these. That Oso? 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 Osa. I the think one. It looks like it. that awesome check
1: bike that is the only motorcycle I crave. Yeah. Boat yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah.
0: You know I mean, who else is making electric bikes? <clears throat> Our friends at Porsche. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, it sounds like an ad. It's not. Did you see that snowmobile thing they did today? Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Let's stay on topic. Whoa. Porsche has been in the e-bike business from some time. I did not know that. They're working with some cycle manufacturer named Rottwild. Have you heard of that? Nope. Mm, I don't pay attention. But now, listen. Motorcycle. They're selling electric bikes in historic colors Uh-oh. ruby star neo ice gray metallic mamba green that's not historic common red some of these are new and shark blue electric bikes they're really cool looking
1: uh man they're smart they know how to get you
0: <laughs> but i don't know that i would buy them i mean i i've had porsche bikes before someone gave me one and it it always feels off brand for me
1: they're porsche design right it's not porsche it's
0: porsche design it says porsche Really? But yeah, maybe Porsche design, I don't know. They're okay. all the same.
1: Because I know Porsche Design did those carbon fiber ten speed
0: robots. Yeah. Bikes. Yeah. I had one of those. Okay. And um but, they, but
1: I they but did I, a snowmobile today for the you know that crazy ice race mm-hmm. in GP, whatever we had the the with Ferdy. Ferdy. Yeah. Uh they they like, it's like a snow cat, giant, massive Porsche designed snow cat wow. for next year. Looks crazy.
0: I have trouble doing that. I would rather go with one of my favorite bike brands on a bike. You know what I mean? It's too matchy matchy in some ways. I it's gonna you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the Sonder stuff on the street and I've been riding their stuff forever. We blasted out our front tire the other day after uh, my son Jack was riding, landed on a jump. it's it's a beach cruiser, and we're going over jumps. <laughs> and that thing is huge it tires. Went, boom! Nice. It just popped, and I uh, got a quick lesson in repair. It was fun, but I okay. but I was able to work on it. Um, but I don't know how I'm not going to get one of these cake bikes. This that that ride yesterday was. You know, it's just, it's hard to explain how great that
1: was. You know, you're going to have to build, like, a bike shed add-on to your garage. <laughs> you're getting full. I know. <laughs> you're going to be like Zuckerman with electric bikes. I
0: was going to, I've got one of Zuckerman's cars in there that I was helping with, and uh, I was going to take it out, but I've got an Aston Martin coming in. I've got that Vantage uh, F1 oh, coming, yeah. and, oh, that's and that's starting a run of cars, so it's good. No, this is all good. I'm not going to complain. No. But it's nice. But, uh, you know, these electric bikes occupy this the, the, a very, very interesting spot in California. And by the way, the Suron, uh, you, you see this lot next door over here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's a gate there, there's nothing there, it's four empty acres that somebody owns and doing nothing with. So the other day, I didn't really want to go up into the canyon, so I said, hey, why don't we just lift the gate and you can go ride in that lot. (laughs) So nice. James and I went in there. He did a jump, belt drive explodes, right? From our previous mechanic, who we are no longer fans of. (laughs) And, you know, I don't know if this is like this for you folks wherever you are but here in LA they know how to sell electric bikes they don't know how to repair them it's 98 percent sales and two percent good luck finding someone to fix it either do it yourself or not and the Suron look them up there's a lot of simple stuff you can do and then there's stuff this belt drive we did a conversion from a sprocket to a belt drive Um, it's a half hour Thirty different tools. I'm not going to do it. I don't have the time to do it. And uh, all roads led to this guy in a garage in Englewood named <laughs> Ryan. 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 And uh, I called. I emailed Ryan on Sunday. Monday morning, he sent me his number. And uh, a second later, he said, uh, "I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to go. I'm going to go find uh, a belt that's got Kevlar in it. It's going to. It's going to run better on this thing because you guys are off-roading it." And, and uh, my last uh, e-bike guy took uh, two months to repair. This okay. guy took 24 hours. Wow, really? And I showed up, and he's one of these genius guys. His name is Ryan. He's in Inglewood. Uh, uh, let me see if I have his last name here. I probably didn't write down his last name, and forgive me for That's that.
1: good, though. He's already improving it.
0: He doesn't yeah. have any ads. Yeah. It's word all of word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so funny, it's just like uh, the Land Rover guy. I met a guy with the old Land Rover. He goes, Martine fixing it? I go, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's Martine for old series They're in Englewood. Ryan. <laughs> There's <laughs> Ryan now for any of your electric bike needs. Right, right, you right. You can DM me, I will tell you, but it's not hard. Search Ryan Inglewood Englewood, Elec- he's everywhere. Fantastically knowledgeable. Former BMW employee and engineer. <laughs> oh, wow. And- just jams. Like we showed up at eight thirty. Goes, I'm just working. He's got his garage door open. He's just jamming. Did amazing work on this bike, and that was part of the fun. You know, awesome. it's this whole new You're frontier. So into this. Well, here's what I find fascinating, yeah, and yeah. as you know, I kind of like to operate in the gray areas of the law. <laughs> I enjoy that. That's. I'm old. I'm I don't. I don't want to do fully illegal things anymore. But I like. I, you know, I said to Ryan, I go, uh, and I, I was talking to the cake guys about this too. I go, "What's the what are the laws here as far as speed and electric bikes that make this an electric bike versus something that needs a license plate and the rest of it?" And they said, "Well, as long as it doesn't go over fifteen miles an hour, it's considered a bike." I said, "But all this stuff goes over," and they go, "Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." But nobody seems to care, and it's sort of like three wheelers—how no
1: one's really sure if it's a motorcycle or not. Well, I've been pulled over in various three wheelers, and sometimes the cops are like, You need a helmet. And I'm like, You do? And they're like, I think
0: you do. <laughs> yeah, they don't. The I police go, don't know and they don't care.
1: Yeah. And I go, I thought it was two wheels in the back, one on the front. You need a helmet, but two wheels in the front. I made that up. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: they, here's what I think the, the, the law is very clear on what you need to do and who can ride and who can't ride. And you've got to have your driver's license and the rest of it. However, here's what I think the, the The rule is for police officers as long as you're not doing dumb shit they're going to leave you alone occasionally they may pull you over and go what is this right but like yesterday we just drove you know i would guess 10 miles an hour on the side of the road like civilized humans until we got to the trail where we might not have supposed to have been either but (laughs) no one was there
1: I also think cops like to have a worthy adversary. It's kind of like that old Hunter Thompson thing. Like,
0: you know, you don't want to pull over the Corolla. You want to pull over the Lamborghini, right? But, Johnny, this is a bigger thing. So, what I'm getting at is the entire electric bike movement in California, which is many, many companies, they're making really fast things that aren't being regulated right now. Right. And it started with the scooters. Whatever that company was, they just started dumping them in cities. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. ride share. And now it seems like everything goes. Everything and anything goes. And so, for you know, you have to kind of take personal responsibility, which is what I do in this house, which is, hey, I can't have you riding a motorcycle on the street, kid. And I'd prefer you wouldn't ride one uh, when you get out of this house either. It's just too right. dangerous. But if I'm with you, here's how we'll go and here's what we're going to do and we'll keep things safe. And we, It sounds like you're working towards waiting for a high-profile death to uh, force uh, no, <laughs> local
1: ordinances.
0: No, no. I don't think they're ever going to do it. And, yeah. and, and it's interesting when you talk to the companies, and I, you know, I chat with them, they, they're like, look, we, the only way to survive really is to make the stuff people want, and that is something that goes motorcycle speeds 50 or 60 that and nobody wants a bike that goes 15 no you don't want that you don't want that no because you can go faster than that on a pedal bicycle i i said to uh i said to these guys and they all said the same thing i said when i'm at about 28 miles an hour i'm like that's as fast as i want to go on a bike and on the motocross bike for sure that's got knobby tires on it you know anything over 28 feels insane right and uh except for that little Osa. But, um, <laughs> Osa. you know, you do want to be able to police it yourself. That's all. Yeah. But all right. it's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing, amazing little world. I will tell you that Osa's got me thinking. I kind of, I like the looks of that. Like. Uh, they they said whoever wants to take it and ride it can take it and ride it. Maybe, maybe. It's very docile and very quiet and fun. You know, my son took the bus home the other day, and I picked him up on it and really made him laugh. Because and... it's a two-seater. It's like a two real yeah. seats on it, yeah. Yeah, if you're looking at it, it's got these two uh, industrial seats that you unclamp, and you can slide them forward and back depending on—it's very, very yeah. usable. And on a lot of their advertising, they're towing things. It's a work truck. Like, I could see these things on the professional race circuit, you know— down at right. a D, down a long beach. Moving tires around or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just cool. They're yeah. just cool. Yeah, nice. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get them out. Cool. Uh, into the mountains. I should do an ad. We've yeah. been talking for a long time. We're talking about AG1. They're our next partner. And I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I wanted increased energy, immune support, and I wanted to improve my forehand and back And it works. I also hate taking pills slash vitamins. And you know what I mean? I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. And it's simple. All I do in the morning is pour AG1 into a glass of water and drink it. One scoop of powder and water. That's it. Once and then I am done. And immediately you're going to feel increased energy, better moods. Your life is going to be better better. AG1 has been part of millions of mornings since 2010. And our friend Reggie, he loves AG1. He sure does. He's always trying to get, uh, get me to get him some fresh, uh, free AG1. Hey, nice, Spike, you got it. My AG1 is delivered to me every month, so it's super easy to make it a daily habit. I also get the single-serving travel pack, so I never have to miss a day. Just throw them right in the duffel bag, and off to Le Mans we go! Mix the powder into ice-cold water and drink it first thing in the morning. That's it. How simple is that? Uh, if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash bike 911. That's athleticgreens.com slash bike 911. Check it out. Got to get that vitamin D. Because when you go to the doctor, they check that level. Mm. And they go, hey, your vitamin D is good for once. <laughs> I sit in the sun a lot. Everything else is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you see this weird MR2 attack? I did. Where the hell was it? First of all, here, here's the story here. This Connecticut is, this is, or something? You know, I, I, you've probably heard me talk about these street takeovers. You know, I, I read that people were making money. I don't even know if that's true. I didn't understand why people were doing them. Like, what's what's the big deal? Is it just getting a bunch of people together and spinning around in your car, which is fun? That's what I thought it was. Well, apparently there was one of these in, was it in Boston? Connecticut it's New England somewhere One, yeah and in my old neck of the woods Toland Toland Connecticut where this uh, this couple was driving home from a restaurant and uh, in their Toyota MR2 Spider, yeah and, and these these folks beat the they destroyed the car yeah. here hold on here I can play some of this right here they are r- ripping apart this car kicking it a woman gets out of the driver's seat and just says, "I think very reasonably, what what is going on here?" And and as I'm watching, I'm thinking the same thing. What what the hell is going on here? Why would car people destroy a Toyota MR2? Yeah, weren't they all wearing masks?
1: No, not all of them. Okay, I thought I saw some kid wearing like a, like a face mask. So,
0: yeah, their names are the Sargissians. No, not the, them, the, the, the destroyers. The uh, yeah, people. yeah, no, I know, the MR2 owners. Yeah. No, 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 well, yeah. They I, said they had, hold on, they had no time to react, and that the mob began attacking their car within seconds of entering the takeover. The group reportedly attacked the car for several minutes before clearing a path and allowing the couple to exit. They drove a few miles down the road and called police. Here's what I don't understand. Oh, look, and there's a Mustang guy attached. To it. <laughs> of course oh, there's a Mustang, Mustang guy. There's always a Mustang guy. Police arrested 20-year-old Jefferson Duran. They identified as the ringleader of the takeovers. oh What
1: are you after in here for? After they spotted
0: his gray <laughs> Ford Mustang GT weirdly on the road and not crashing. I don't understand why a street takeover, which seems to be celebrating cars... Would be destroying a, a kind of cool car, the it's, MR2.
1: It's just mob mentality. That's why I hate mobs, man. It's just you know, just a it bunch does, but of. But you, you hear what I'm saying? It makes oh, a
0: hundred percent. It's wouldn't crazy. you be cheering the Toyota MR2, going, "Hey, MR2!"
1: Yes, and also like you know, if the police are sort of ignoring you now, they're definitely not ignoring you. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is this moves to the top of their list. Yeah, like you know, a nice couple driving home from. Uh, you know, uh, Red Lobster gets uh,
0: their car beat up. Yeah. stupid. Anyway. Yeah.
1: But the mob. I I only only bring it up
0: because somebody on Instagram, I like the story so I would remember to talk about it. And then some asshole commenter goes, oh, look, Spike first and like the story. Typical. <laughs> Living in L.A. in his mansion. Yeah. You're here in my mansion, Johnny. How yeah. mansion y is this mansion you right here? You have a beautiful home. <laughs> you, you're near some mansions, <laughs> I would say. You're <laughs> mansion adjacent. But still, my point is, he's like, yeah. you're liking that they're beating up the Toyota MR2. And he's just like, hey, asshole. Just because you press the heart doesn't mean you like what you're looking at in it. Yeah,
1: Instagram doesn't give you a lot of options. I'm
0: supporting <laughs> the drive who reported the story that this is newsworthy, and I and I wanted to remember it. And uh, but the, always the name is always funny. The guy's name was Agro Seven Eleven. Oh Agro! Agro! Oh Agro's oh, upset. Oh, <laughs> upset. There you go. One of these crazy accounts. Anyway, yeah. Maybe he needed to do that so I would remember to talk about it. But I these you know I want to support you, Street Takeover people. I do want to support you, but I don't I don't like that you're wrecking people's nice cars.
1: So I said something similar. You know, if to you that. see a
0: Honda cross tour, feel free to wreck that. So I did some podcasts. I'm just gonna let that go by. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah.
1: Destroy yeah. No, I did some
0: podcasts and they asked me like what do you
1: think of takeovers or some Q and A or something? Yeah. And I said, Well, I can see both sides of it meaning, boy, it's a lot of fun to do donuts, right? Like, you know, and people came down on me like, "Whoa, it's illegal! You're supporting criminals!" And so I, I like you, like I like the idea of people having fun with their cars, but like, don't don't assault people. It's just so stupid.
0: Don't wreck cars if you pretend to like yeah. them. Well, there's also that. Hmm. But yeah. Anyways, I I think I, people have collectively realized. You want to know? Here's one of my theories. Zuckerman's always talking about spikes. Theories. Yes. Here's one of my real spike theories. theories. <laughs> All right. Because the Internet is an amazing thing. But it also tells us about the world as it really is, right? And I think one of the more interesting things that's going on here in L.A. is people have collectively realized there just aren't enough police to do the job with this many millions of people and that we can get away with a lot of stuff, right? You people are getting away with murder all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. There's just too many people and not enough police officers and not enough staff to to uh, go after everything. So they just go after the public cases. Like that guy who made the news, they'll get that guy. There's probably 10 more Toyota MR2s that were just <laughs> destroyed. But I have this troubling theory that just most crime is just going to go by now that most crime is just going to happen and you shouldn't be shocked (laughs) even you know you just shouldn't uh, especially here people seem to like freak oh my god my bike was stolen and they don't understand why when they call 911 no one showed up and you go really you think that's a priority (laughs) for these guys you think i doubt it Oh, I remember we had
1: our apartment broken into years ago, and I went to, you know, I was feeling all high and mighty afterwards. I went to file a police report. Yeah, they don't care. I was like I was delivering the guy a lunch menu. But you know, but like,
0: there, you grow up watching yes. TV and thinking, well, the police get dicked down everything. It happened to me in New York. That's when I actually learned it, when I was, I was mugged at Knife Point in an arcade, and- the, the guy the arcade started yelling, and the kids ran, who had the knife, and, and there was a, a cop on a horse right there. Oh. <laughs> it was right on Broadway. Yeah. He, he, was, he was coming back from Times Square, and he goes, what's going on? And I go, those those kids just robbed me at knife point. And he just looked over, and they were standing on the corner. They saw the cop look, and then they ran. I, he goes, those kids? And I go, yeah. And he goes... Okay, well, here's the station if you want to go down and file a report. I go, you can him. Are you going to go chase him? You them? got a horse. You got a horse. Go get him. Yeah. He goes, no, no, you go down to the station, you can file a report. How much money do they get? But they took They took $20, or right? I gave him 20 bucks. Yeah. But there they are. The kid looks around the corner again. He could care less. And I was like, what am I looking at? And I get really angry until I realize, oh, yeah, I guess in the grand scheme of things, that's not a big deal. I should just not care about it. Right. And I didn't. And then it's just a funny story.
1: They got our birth certificates and our social security cards. That was, that was annoying. But luckily when they b- robbed our apartment, we had like a lockbox, which hopefully oh. they never got into. Um, I've I've, this is, do you think this is 15 another, years ago.
0: It's no, I don't. Illegal Johnny Lieberman's out there. I was there. worried, but like I said. Do you think I, they I, could I, come I, do the show and you're not? Yeah. would <laughs> <laughs> probably be a lot more interesting. <laughs> Well, there was a poll about somebody did online after last week's show, and people really want Richard to sit in. Mm. They they want Richard to come back with some new material. He's he's got the new material. He's been work.
1: He's been practicing. Oh, good to know he gets a cookie from a cookie store every week. And
0: I can't tell. There seemed to be a lot of excitement over the Spike cigar sticker, but I can't tell if we really want to make that. Do we really want to make that? I, I think know. we could do a run because
1: you know it's the way Blip Shift
0: does it is they just. You know, it's, it's, they get a bunch of orders, then they print it. I feel like this is Zuckerman's territory. What, what I'm complimented by is I've taken two pictures that people feel are sticker worthy. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> the Zuckerman. The great artiste. Shot. I met I, I did not, I almost didn't post that shot because I thought it was really obnoxious looking. And it's not <laughs> really me. It's just me goofing around at a stoplight. But I thought, oh, it's silly. I'll just let it go. But if, if folks like it, we could do it. Spike Warhol, man. You're like, pop art king oh yeah that'd be pretty good <laughs> no i well i'm a creative as you know i saw uh, scott dixon had uh the zuckerman yes. helmet at indy for did you indy. see that yeah coming up yeah for the qualifying or whatever yeah someone posted it just a minute ago and i did different. see that that was really exciting that's that's exciting i mean that's did, a big that got, race yeah
1: hey did you figure out are you going to le mans i don't think so was i invited i thought you were talking last week maybe about just going or something hmm I
0: say a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know. It's hard for me to leave the house. But I feel like being a part of this uh this this Haggerty and this Motor One documentary on Le Mans, I feel like I've contributed <laughs> You've done your part. I've done my part. Yeah. It is better to watch from home, you know. It's better yes. to watch uh, yeah. yeah. No, I may I may go see the Red Sox. <laughs> in Fenway, oh, I, I haven't been there. Fenway's with the, great. I want to take one of my kids to Fenway and go yes. check it out. Fenway is killer. That's the that that. No, Dodgers I know. Stadium. I grew up there. I used yeah. to go. I went there in college a lot. But the the boys are both Red Sox fans, and it's time to go pay homage to the greatest team and the greatest stadium. The Dodgers are playing there. The world knows.
1: <laughs> hey, the Dodgers. <laughs> I, saw, I like the Dodgers. I saw the Yankees play the Red Sox. It was like uh, it was like a four to three all home run derby with like two bench clearing brawls. Wow! On the hottest day in recorded history of Boston, it was like 104. Wow. It was so miserable, and we were sitting in the the outfield, you know, the bleachers. Yep. And I remember my best friend; he his sunscreen ran into his eyes, and he was just like in so much pain. He had to go into the uh, bleacher. It was, it was it was a mess. But anyways, it was fun. It was a great park. Small park, lots, lots of what home you runs. Remember
0: about the Red Sox? Hmm. It was good. What's uh, well, let's bring on our friend Joshua Shapiro. Oh, yeah. Here's what I liked about Joshua I read this story in the LA Times and um, then realized it was written by Daniel Miller, who's a friend of the show. And uh, I love that this guy any great business finds a hole, finds a problem, finds a thing, finds a theme. And this guy found it. Um, And and many have tried it. Shinola in Detroit tried it, bringing American watchmaking back to the U.S. Right now, it's mostly about the Swiss. And uh, I think up until the 60s was the last company that was a U.S.-made watch. And to, to say made in the USA, you have to uh, fulfill a requirement that's fairly strict. So, uh, Shinola did it, but then had to retract because they had parts uh, that were coming in from other countries. And is that
1: the case with with Weiss? You know, he used to be in L.A., moved to Tennessee. Weiss watches. I know Farah
0: has one. Well, we'll ask Joshua that question. Uh, all right. um, and I was very happy to learn that this guy was down in Inglewood. Hey, with Ryan? I'm telling you, there's a, there's a thing happening down in Englewood, and uh, I sent him a message on Instagram, and he said, I would love to come on the show. What kind of show is it? <laughs> I had no knowledge of us, which was nice. And then I sent him a link, and he said, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to come on. Um, here is uh, Joshua Shapiro from JN Shapiro Watches. How are you there, Joshua?
2: Yes. How, Thanks for having me.
0: How are you? It's very nice to meet you. I have to tell you, I uh, I didn't know who you were a few days ago, and I uh, I was looking and reading the L.A. Times, which I am um, often doing, and uh, our friend of the show, Daniel Miller, had written an article that that here was the headline. This is this was the clickbait that caught my attention. An L.A. watchmaker crafted a seventy thousand dollar timepiece. It could revolutionize the U.S. watch industry. And I was in. And in this article, I learned uh, a couple of things. One, you're right here in L.A. Two, that there's nobody in the United States making watches anymore that are made. Is Am I right? Since the 60s, there are no
2: American-made watches? Not to this level. Not to this level. Not To the level that it qualifies for, like the extremely high standards for U.S. made,
0: right? Uh, And I read your story, and I was so inspired by it. I mean, it's it's really an amazing story, and you know, I think I reached out to you on Instagram right away and said, "Hey, I need you to come on the show. I want you to tell this story." And you, uh, you said, okay. Well, what, what is your show? <laughs> and by the way, very wise to do, always do that when someone's DMing you on Instagram. And I said, well, you know, wear cars and watches, and uh, you're going to fit fit right in. Um, but why don't you? Yeah, sounds uh, like an awesome show. Yeah, and the sh- and and your story's amazing. And very quickly, I saw the coverage on Hodinkee and and all the other places that I go. And uh, why don't we just start at the beginning? Um, and we'll end up where you are in Inglewood making these $70,000 watches. but um, where, where did this where did watchmaking first start with you?
2: Yeah, so my father and grandfather had a machine shop here in Southern California in South Omani. So I was a, a, a strange kid that hung out at the shop during the summers tinkering with stuff. And that kind of stuck with me. And even though I had a career in education, I really never lost that love for craftsmanship and working with my hands. And around the time I got married, I desperately needed something to do that wasn't marriage. Uh, And so watchmaking became that hobby. Um, And no, I'm always awesome, but uh, uh, I really wanted a a fun outlet. And watchmaking has just unending depth to it. But I was interested as a collector and...
0: Yeah, I Just hear really that, but weren't you a teacher? I mean, you went to UCLA and you studied history, correct? Yes. And then from there, you got your master's? Yeah. And then, a, and then what were you doing to, as a job? You were a teacher, right?
2: Yeah, I was a teacher, um, <laughs> and then eventually I got a uh, demotion to administration. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> what grade were you teaching?
2: Uh, I was in high school. You're I was in high school. I was teaching uh, in a boys' high school.
0: Oh wow! Uh, so you're on the trajectory of high school teacher, an over-educated high school teacher, who, yeah. and and you've never forgotten that you like working with metal because of your grandfather and your dad. And what and what they had a machine shop.
2: Yeah, machine shop, sandblasting shop. My dad actually. Has worked on a lot of classic cars wow. that came in for blasting, and uh, a lot of cars.
0: And how old, you know, how old were you when you were first in that shop?
2: Uh, since I could walk until you know I was a teenager, and you know, so just y- wandering the planet myself.
0: So you're watching these guys work with metal, your dad and your grandfather. You're a teacher, and there's something saying to you: I, I might be on the wrong path here. What what is that inflection point for you, when you decide to switch it up and pursue watchmaking?
2: I just always loved metals, and it just felt so great doing something with my hands. And I love teaching too, and I love being in the classroom. And uh, despite the difficulties, I like being an administrator too. But I just found myself so passionate about working with metal and watchmaking, and Sort of the endless nature of it, it's, it's very similar to cars in that there's always another level you can take it to. There's always more depth, more to learn, more tools to buy, more skills. Um, and then I discovered the joy in growing a team, too, and having other people join me on this watchmaking journey. But how how do you
0: do it? Like, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we were going, hey, we should really start a sub-$200 watch brand. You know, we're crazy about these Swatch <laughs> Omega plastic watches that we use all the time. Why aren't we doing one? Something like that. But then you, I very quickly go up to my office and go, I, I don't know the first thing about making anything. <laughs> I don't know anybody. Right. I, I don't even know where this would happen. And you're making a very complicated, beautiful watch. Um, how, how did you learn how to make a watch? What was your first step? Who did you call? What did you do? Well, I think
2: there's the the, the first step uh, is there's a a Bible. There's a book called Watchmaking by George Daniels, who's legendary in the industry. And uh, he he put it all out there from A to Z, every step to make a watch. And uh, it's it's a very technical read. And it takes, you know, just to get the startup equipment, you know, close to $100,000 in equipment, but if you've got the will, uh, the book explains it all.
0: Really, and so, there, so that's it w- <laughs> definitely where. So, I so this is the Watchmaker's Bible. What is it called again?
2: Watchmaking by George Daniels.
0: And you crack this very technical book, and it's and it's pleasurable for you. It's not like a Don Winslow crime novel. This <laughs> is like this is your how many pages is this? Like six hundred pages or something?
2: Something like four hundred pages. <laughs> oh my and, God! You know. And yeah. it, but
0: but if you read this and study it, you can make a watch from scratch.
2: You can make a watch from scratch, but wow. I'll tell you, it's so technical and there's so much to learn at the beginning that it was a fantastic sleep aid. Wow! Like I'd be digging in there and trying to understand. And
0: is that Ooh. all? Is that all you did? Is read this
2: book? No, no, no. Um, you know, I took a, a distance learning course with the British Horological Institute. Yeah. Um, there's a man named David Walter in Santa Barbara, who's a master watchmaker, clockmaker. And I mentored with him. And when I got into dial making, you know, that he was teaching me a lot and I was making dials for him. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's unending talking with people, learning as much as you can, experimenting, uh, using this book as a reference and then slowly amassing, Uh, as much equipment as you can like I because I was a a principal uh, and this was my side hustle for a while I was just able to reinvest and reinvest and build up the equipment needed what was that what's
0: that first piece of equipment that you get
2: for me it was a lathe uh, and that's used in the automotive industry too and that that's a, a machine used for removing material from circular objects and it's extremely important for watchmaking and for all industries but uh for watchmaking it's small it's something that can fit on your desk at home so um, so
0: so you you start loading up on this metal making equipment right what is your wife saying at that point are you, are you do you have a big <laughs> you have a big house in a garage or were you the... just loading up the apartment with crap
2: yeah in the beginning you know I was a teacher my wife's a teacher we were just in a small apartment and you know I had some pretty crazy machines in the breakfast and
0: deck. what was the wife saying was she going what it you know my wife is very upset with a tennis uh, aid that I have a, a little spinball machine that I had in the living room yeah. and it's small what was your wife saying to you when she's looking at lathes and other giant metal machinery
2: yeah so i you know she waited. She she would tease me and uh, but you know, it was a in hobby. what way? It was fun. It,
0: it, it, like it's not really sexy. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. And but you know it was it was it was a hobby, and so she supported me. But it was like, hey, it's time to take the the baby now. Like, come right. on. And so like when it actually became a career, that was like, hey, it's time to take the kid. Oh wait, it's it's not a hobby anymore. Right. Uh, Guess so, you got to be doing this. So at a certain <laughs>
0: point you you have all of the machines n- then in your possession to make a watch and you decide yes. I'm going to now pivot into watchmaking full time. Is it is that the moment where you go I'm going to bring back watchmaking to the United States and become the 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 first watch in 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 decades that will be made in America?
2: Truthfully it was it was the goal from the second I picked up the watchmaking book over 10 years ago. Like uh, I had studied the the history of American watchmaking in this country. And I found it so tragic that it disappeared and the circumstances it disappeared under. And uh, you know, reading what this other person, George Daniels had done, sort of doing the same thing in great Britain. I was really pumped up to see if it would be possible to do here. And it was just a, uh, it was a gigantic process. Um, like now, I have a few million dollars in equipment. When I started out, I could hardly afford a machine for a few hundred dollars. So it was definitely a step by step, constant reinvestment. Uh, you know, eyes on the prize venture. One hundred percent.
0: Wow. Um, what was the last U.S. company? Was it Hamilton? Or... Yes. In the in the. Hamilton, 60s? Not the Hamilton we know today.
2: Yeah, the Hamilton we know today is like a a cheap imitation Mm -hmm. of what it used to be. Um, Hamilton was bought by the Swiss in 1969. And in 1971, the factory and everything was there. And the Swiss just told the remaining employees to take everything to the dump. And... That, that was the unceremonious end to mechanical watchmaking in this country. Wow. And there's been a few people since then, notably RGM, that have got taken it really, really far um, and has made beautiful watches that uh, a ton of the parts have been made in the U.S. But the U.S. in particular, except for the car industries, say that for an object is put made in the USA on it, it has to be all or virtually all made in the United States and that's an extremely high level of manufacturing to get to that point
0: right right Right. and i remember uh, being in detroit in 2014 or 15 and shinola was making that claim a company that i like detroit based you know watch and leather goods and the rest of it but the ftc jumped in and said hey you know uh Uh, you can no longer use that slogan where American is made because most of your parts were from overseas. And I believe what they were pitching was, well, we're assembling here in the U S and they, they, you know, they, they have a great track record with their employees and they do a lot of great work, but still they did not meet the bar that was set to, to say that. Correct. And, 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 and uh, JN Shapiro watches has, or have you,
2: yeah, I mean, we, there's no guideline for the watch industry for made in the USA. So what I've taken is precedence. I've taken it as far as Hamilton took it uh, in wow. the 60s. Um, and, you know, I, it's been a, a dream and a goal. And we've invested so much time in getting to this point, And... I, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to see people appreciate that.
0: Yeah. It's an, um, it's, a, it's an amazing story. I mean, I remember when, when, when I was in Detroit and Shinola made the claim and I went, wow, what an idea. That's a, that's an amazing idea that I think so many yeah, people could get behind. And then I felt really disappointed when it kind of went away and, and you're right. And there it is just sitting there. There's this opening, a very, very yeah. big opening. What, you know, yeah. we love Swiss watches, but what, where are we on this playing field? And uh and then you attack it and you get there. I'm just thinking about all the little things that make up a watch, like that little spinny wheel. <laughs> like you make yeah, that little spinny wheel, wheel yeah.
2: what is that? The balance wheel, yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you make that? How do you make a balance wheel?
2: Yeah, I mean we have lathes and mills and we have enough equipment where we could make an entire watch manually without computers. And we have all the CNC, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars machines to make parts automatically um, because you can't actually run a business just making watches by hand mm-hmm. one a year. Mm-hmm. So we have these automatic machines that enable us to, you know, like our, our yearly productions are around 30 watches a year.
0: Wow. Um, and, and is this the first watch, the resurgence that you, you folks have made?
2: So we had a watch called the uh, Infinity Series, and we made about a hundred of those. And those we started off just making the dials. And I'm known for my guilloche. Guilloche is a type of geometric engraving on the watches. Mm-hmm. And we kind of took that to a level that's never been done before, even by the Swiss. And that kind of put our name on the uh, on the map. And so we started off with dials and hands, and then we evolved into cases. When we went into cases, we did tantalum cases, which are the most challenging to make. And no one out of Switzerland had made tantalum cases before. And so that was, that was also real important. What is t- tantalum
0: so- sounds like something Superman would be
2: yeah. destroyed by. Yeah, it's this the tantalum.
0: Cool what is it? <laughs> I've never even <laughs> heard that word.
2: So tantalum is uh, a very dense, dark gray, almost bluish metal. Uh, so it's got a really cool look to it. It's dense, uh, in industry, it's extremely acid resistant. Mm -hmm. So it has all sorts of scientific and medical applications. And in the watch world, it's like uh, a very, uh, very like exotic material that, uh, only some brands play with. And it's because it's extremely difficult to machine. And so we kind of took on that challenge and that also helped us prepare, uh, for doing the movement, which is the most difficult part in a watch, you know, the part that has you know over a hundred components to it, and wow. tiny wheels and pinions and uh, the spinny part, and um, <laughs> you know all these other tiny, tiny parts, you know, like that have features on them that are the size of a human hair. You know,
0: I was watching um, the LA Times video, and you talked a little bit about the failure rate of some parts when you're making them. And I, I think it was a dial that had a, a, uh, only 25% of your dials make it through. Talk a little bit about that. I was very surprised by that to, to even know there was such a thing as failure rate with watchmaking.
2: Oh yeah. So like there's always a failure rate with almost any part, but Mm -hmm. when you add in the human element and one's doing something extremely challenging on a microscopic scale, a microscopic scale, by hands, it just increases the difficulty, increases the chance of failure. So there are definitely parts we make where only one out of four is actually usable and the other parts we have to scrap. Mm -hmm. Um, And to engrave these dials with guilloche and these geometric patterns, you know, it can take hours. So my only hope is that if I'm going to mess up, I messed up in the beginning of that process and not at the
0: end. <laughs> well, I'm looking at Resurgence right now. I'm at uh, com. You guys should go there, too. Check it out. Um, the, the watch is gorgeous. It really, hearing you talk about it, uh, just the dial, which is I'm on that first shot with the rose gold, you look at the uh, the texture of that dial around the numbers. It's really incredible. And that is all. that's all handmade, you're saying.
2: Yeah, all that engraving is done by hand. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's that's insane. It's really beautiful. Um and these watches uh oh yeah, there you go. Wow, that's a the dark zirconium case and dial is pretty wild. With yeah. purple hands. <laughs> that's pretty cool. There's uh uh eighteen karat white gold, rose gold, tantalum case, zirconium yep. and stainless steel. And how many of these watches are you going to make in total? Thirty, or are they going to be limited or not?
2: We're limited by our production. So right now, with our current capacity, we can make about thirty a year. I see. And I have no plans to cap it, mm-hmm. but we definitely want to explore other watches like chronographs and tourbillons, and you know that's that's those are the next things coming up. Right. Um,
0: and what would you what what category do you put this watch? Is this a complication?
2: No, this is just a time-only manual lines. Yeah. and uh, Believe it or not, these are some of the most expensive and popular watches these days because mm -hmm. when you're just making a simple watch, then you can focus on deeply into the aesthetic and timekeeping aspects of Mm -hmm. the watch.
0: And how does that work? when you rate the timekeeping, like what, what are you shooting for there besides perfection?
2: Yeah. So so there's, there's something called chronometer uh, status, which is plus or minus a few seconds. Plus Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to withstand temperature Uh, watches are always uh, vulnerable to changes in temperature um, magnetism. And uh, the goal for a watch that's mechanical is to try to get, as close to zero variance as possible, and you know that's one of our goals too. That's sort of like a, in a way, that's sort of like a horsepower mm-hmm. or zero to sixty speed in in the car world. In right. the watch world, it's how accurate can you make this timepiece? Oh
0: wow, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. When you were growing up, or even now, outside of the watches you make, what do you, what do you like? Like, do you have a collection of watches?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I have uh, I'm an Omega fan. Ah. Uh, I have Omega chronograph with a three two one movement in it. So mm-hmm. It's a great watch. I like Grand Seiko. Um, I obviously, I have a big vintage American pocket watch collection. Help me! Uh, that's
0: not obvious to anybody that you have a big American pocket watch <laughs> collection. Help me! Help me approach Grand Seiko. Like, you know, I'm Omega, I like pre-tag Hoyers, I kind of like racing sport watches, you know, but I would say I'm a Hoyer guy more than anything else. I I like old Tudor, I like old Rolex, but I like Hoyer. Mm -hmm. Everybody uh, who I respect says Seiko has to be on your radar. Um, For me, I, you know, my only kind of, uh, I only know them from the drugstore watches, right? And when I hear yeah. Grand Seiko, I go, well, that, isn't that just a more expensive version of the drugstore watch? How do I approach a watch brand like that? And, and why do you love them so much?
2: Yeah, so Grand Seiko, I mean, Seiko has like three levels. So they have Seiko, which is like, you know, pretty affordable watches. Then they mm-hmm. have Grand Seiko, which is like they're competing with Omega and Rolex brand. And then they have even a higher level, which is like Patek level, which is, an even higher is uh, Credor. So they've got something for everyone. And like, I feel like in the U S or like in the Swiss world, we're used to like a different brand for a different level. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, Seiko just does it all within one company. They have all these different levels and grand Seiko itself, you know, they make extremely accurate, extremely beautiful, uh, diverse timepieces, um, with their own aesthetic um, and the, the quality is just as high, if not higher than most Swiss pieces. So, uh, um,
0: so you're into, them.
2: yeah, yeah. I like them. <laughs>
0: what yeah. else do you like?
2: Yeah. I, I, um, I was, uh, a classic car collector. I had to sell my, my 67 Mustang fastback to, uh, to purchase my first watchmaking machines. Wow. But, uh, that was that was my grail car and I, and i miss it it was it was wonderful
0: wow well that's that's the commitment to passion and direction something tells me you're going to be just fine and you'll be able to buy three more back in a few years <laughs> <laughs> i hope it's, so especially hope if so. you're selling watches at $80,000 a piece which these days is is kind of cheap forgive me for saying everybody but But, you know, for something as beautiful as this, you know, we see watches that are selling in the half a million, you know, million plus category, right?
2: Yeah, watches have really arrived in the category of arts.
0: Yeah. Um, That's like the
2: comparable for them now.
0: And what do you suppose the relationship between cars and watches is? Like from your point of view, what is it?
2: it? Yeah, I mean, cars, when it comes down to it, are uh, intricate machines uh that serve a purpose and uh you know there's there's enjoying you can enjoy cars for multiple reasons to to race for the 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 collector aspect of it the the vintage aspect of it um or just appreciation for the uh engineering that goes into it and watchmaking is almost identical in all those regards uh so there's a there's a lot of parallels there between the two you know something that's practical that you can appreciate it for its engineering you can appreciate it if it has heritage um if it has a story to tell um but unlike a car you can very easily carry it around and, and show it to people um, and have many of them in a briefcase
0: <laughs> <laughs> well put Joshua Shapiro, I really like chatting with you, man. I'm uh, I'm very excited about what you're doing down there in the in Inglewood, where all the cool stuff is happening. From my point of view, I was just down there because uh, our our electric uh, motorcycle mechanic Ryan is down there who worked on our electric motorcycle, the Suron, and my oh, uh, awesome. my old Land Rover mechanic is down there, uh, Martin. There are all these genius guys like you down there doing great work. Um, and I can't wait to see what you do next. But um, really, congratulations, man. Really, congratulations for exploding onto the watch scene this week. And, uh, you know, I look forward to uh, watching your story unfold.
2: Thank you so much, Spike. This is a lot of fun.
0: Well, there you go. There you go. Do you like that, Johnny? A history major. And a substitute teacher, hey, who starts spending his money on metal machinery <laughs> that he puts in his apartment, his wife is looking at him crook-eyed going, "What's happening here?" And now he turns it into a viable business. I mean, your wife's always looking at you. <laughs> so yeah, I'm but not. imagine you're in a <laughs> tiny apartment, and you suddenly there's a giant lathe, right? The engine there turning, and your husband hasn't taken a shower for a few weeks. <laughs> I'm just joking. He's taking a shower. You know, I just, re- I really admire that guy. I really yeah, love hey. what he's doing entrepreneurs are always interesting yeah they're and and why can't we make watches
1: here in the United States you know we although you know like 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 IWC right there was an American guy that couldn't get watches made so he went to hire Swiss laborers you know
0: right um so yeah this guy's making them from scratch right in Englewood yeah crazy yeah it's amazing story we
1: should go take a tour when 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 your bike when your bike breaks (laughs) <laughs> Next time you blow the the belt off your bike,
0: we'll do a detour. I've been thinking about uh there's so much opportunity to get into this business, you know. You get you get a guy like Ryan, you got you got the guy who can fix these things. They're a little more complicated than a normal bike, obviously. A lot of wires, lots of different colored wires. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a market here and a, and there is a market here in LA and oh, yeah. uh, the cake guys are in Venice. But there's really no joint where you could have a spot that just had your favorite five bike brands and a place, more importantly, to fix them. But I, at the same time, I don't know that I want to be on the receiving end of the phone call from the parents that say, hey, my kid. <laughs> oh, oh, that was horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. You know, not that I... My, like, my kid's in traction with my the kid's in traction. His yeah. L2 vertebra Yes. A, no, I know. It's no more. Yeah. Motorcycle sales. Mm. But, uh... That's it. That's our show. I hope you all had a good and fine uh, Memorial Day. John and I have enjoyed our cigars and our ginger beers. Mm -hmm. And uh, next week we'll be back. Uh, We're going to do some Dear Zuckerman, and we'll have some stories from Mrs. Zuckerman. Is Ryan going to fix your cock? (laughs) I don't talk like that. Why does he make me sound like that? I think she was upset, by the way, last time. Yeah? For some stupid reason, Zuckerman told her we were talking about her on the show, and I think someone let her... He's a mama's
1: boy. That's the thing. You
0: would never know it. He's got to be. Why would you tell your mom that,
1: <laughs> hey, hey, mom,
0: guess what? My mom listens to the show, but I never asked her to listen to the right, show. Right. And and uh, and it's fine that you do, mom. I, d- I don't care about that. But, you know, she, she, she heard about it and she started listening and then she writes me about it. But, uh, oh. yeah.
1: Yeah. I was still trying to imagine Zuckerman like talking to his mother.
0: (laughs) Mom, I got another Porsche. (laughs) Look at this leg on the side of the road. (laughs) It was attached to a hobo who's now a trillionaire. (laughs) And guess who gets a third of that money? (laughs) People think I'm exaggerating those stories. They're exactly
1: like that Um, all day long. I mean, I I don't want to get into the details, but remember that, that... picture of that check he sent us
0: (laughs) oh yeah oh man yep good for him
1: i was like i remember i was like man i was i called him and i was like i was feeling pretty good because i got a 5200 hundred dollar check you know what he says all money's good
0: (laughs) (laughs) there it is a little bit of wisdom from spike's car radio all money is good we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.